Blood and Barrels discuss cases that contain graphic content. And Mike has a potty mouth. So does Amy. Nah. Listener discretion is advised. everyone and welcome back to another episode of blood and barrels i'm mike i'm amy and we have a special guest in the house tonight we've got joy what what what's going Hi. on joy you tell me uh, you tell me how are you doing today <laughs> i'm good how are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing good we did a lot of pre-gaming for this episode <laughs> joy's a smart ass for all y'all listeners true that no hold and- on Babe. You need to be a little closer. Okay. Baby, you always say that, and then you tell me I'm too loud. You are too loud. Okay. So. (laughs) So Don't move the mic closer. Yeah, that's not logical. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. So yeah. So we are really excited to have Joy in here with us today. Yes, because she's going to give Mike so much shit. <laughs> true dad. Probably. Oh, true dad. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. All right. So, man, how's everybody's week been? Crappy. Crappy. Too much work. But I had new teeth. Oh, Yay! Amy's got new teeth. New teeth. They're, they're, they're uh, temporary teeth, but I have them. And they look fantastic. They look amazing. I mean, they'll look way better than that gigantic gap you had, so... Shut your fucking face, you Upgrade? Upgrade? I don't even know what to say to that. Go ahead. Joy's shaking her head like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Stinking dick, but yeah. (laughs) Douchebag. Yeah, well, you know, if you can't laugh about it, then, you know, She can laugh about it. You can't. I absolutely can. I was the one who picked her up off the sidewalk when it happened. But you can't tell me I'm sexy despite my teeth and then make these comments. You know what? I'm going to tell you one thing. You are absolutely sexy no matter what. And and Teeth, no teeth. You're amazing. Ought to just own up to the fact that there's two women against one man, so you're screwed. I'm totally fucked. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. All right. I'm outnumbered. 1,000%. Don't even try to argue. I'm outnumbered. I'm just, I'm going to have to tone it down, maybe. Probably won't happen. It no. definitely will <laughs> not. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely will not. Uh, just remember, I dish really well and you, twice as much. You You dish well? Yeah, if, what you, you if, you're, if you're going to dish it out, you're going to get oh, it back at least twice as much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy's feisty like that. Challenge. Mm-hmm. Challenge. What challenge? She's challenging you. Oh, no, no. I think I'm. Yeah. She's challenging me. Yeah. No. All right. No, I think it's. I'm saying I will meet your challenge because I know there's going to be a oh, challenge. So I'm the challenger and you're going to. You're going to go up and above. Yeah, you got Yeah, yeah, okay. okay above and beyond. Above and beyond. All, and, and, and all of the above. Whatever. I'm telling the story, <laughs> so y'all figure it out. Go, Amy. 
That's go right. what? Go Amy. Amy. Hello, go Amy. my name is go. Amy. Go Amy. Okay, first it's of all, it's your birthday. Go Amy. No, it's it's definitely not my birthday. That's true. You got a ways he, to go. He talks about how you look, and then he doesn't know your name. Why are you married to this man? I know that's, her name. That's a very good question. <laughs> it must be my sex appeal. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> It must be. That will be in the AMAs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so that being said, uh, Amy, where are we heading this week? Truth and consequences. Oh, truth and consequences. Can you believe there's or an actual... or consequences. Oh, is it and or or? Yeah, I always mess it up. It, I think it's truth or Truth consequences. or consequences. So, can you, Joy, can you believe that there is a town called Truth or Consequences? I can believe it. Yeah? Why? Because I think I've heard of it. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, it was named by a game show, but go ahead. No, no, absolutely no. I was, I was going there too. Yeah, so it was named after the game show, right? Uh, I believe the game show named it. So the game show named the town. Yeah, it was like a competition to get on the game show or some stupid uh, shit. So is that like um, the town that got named after Dish, like Dish TV? I didn't know there was such a town. Yeah, there's a whole town that was named after that shit. And then, you know, when they named the town that, they gave everybody free dish TV. Um, Yeah, so I don't know about that. But I know that in 1998, Truth or Consequences only had 2,500 people. And it was an international drug corridor. My kind of town. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. I like Joy's over here covering her mouth as she chuckles. It's okay. You can laugh. Everybody knows. No, Mike's I was about a- to cough and I didn't was. want to. I was. Mike- I had a misspent youth, yes. but Mike's a deviant. It's okay. Uh, I was a deviant. I'm a nice, He's nothing upstanding- like the man we're going to talk about I'm today. I'm a nice, upstanding citizen nowadays. That just sits on his ass and reads the news like an old man. Well, I will say that Amy talks crazy about some of the things that she would like to do. And you're always like, yeah, but we're not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I got to keep her in check. And yet at the same time, some other people are telling me stuff. And I'm like, yeah, been there, done that. Yep. So. But you do keep it in check. uh, I got to keep her in check. You can't keep me in check. Well, let's be honest. I, I got Angie I, over here on the couch. She's going to take me to do whatever I, I need to want to do. As she gives. Yeah. <laughs> She's gives like, I've already been on the podcast. So yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to. Formerly known as Angeline. Oh, true. Angeline. I'm sorry. Angeline. 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 What's your fancy ass name over there? <laughs> and they're all wondering why she's mute. Tonight. She's paying love, bills. It's all Angie. good. She's just over there, like smiling and bobbing her head. <laughs> Shut up. She's paying bills. Oh, sorry. You get get your bill pay on. It's all good. <laughs> she's paying her electric over there. Shit, you got to do that. You as know? long as she pays yours while she's doing it. True. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways. Uh, so anyway, all right. So we're going to truth or consequences, we believe, or uh, it is truth or consequences, New Mexico, which is very close to Santa Fe and Albuquerque. Nice. Which I think is why we're rocking out a Santa Fe, New Mexico beer today. Yeah, it is, and it's called the Happy Camper IPA. I'm a happy camper. Let's rock and roll. Okay, so it's a 6.6 ABV. Nice. Happy Camper is hoppy, (laughs) malty, perfectly balanced, world-class IPA made just for you. A beer that says, I'm from New Mexico, and I like good beer. Don't touch my motorcycle. I would like to hear a beer say all of that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, I don't get the whole don't touch my motorcycle thing, but. But we're not from Santa Fe, so. True. Apparently, I guess they have a lot of motorcyclers there. But that being said. First um, brewed in 2009. This is just now. Amy doesn't have her full sense of flavor back. But, but she, I have some. But Yay! She, she has some. And we're she can cheers smell. to that. She's got some smell back. This so. is why I'm smelling the chocolate scrub. Yeah, dude, she's been coffee. smelling this chocolate scrub. Coffee what? scrub. Oh, coffee scrub. Maybe she doesn't have her smeller back yet. I guess not. I can yeah. smell something. <laughs> dude, all I know is she's had her nose in that like it was cocaine. Just <laughs> sniffing it up. <sighs> Smells good, whatever the fuck it is. She's okay. just excited to be able to smell something again. So, And I get that. So Yeah, shut your fucking face and shut, don't give me shit. Shut your fucking face. All right, but that being said, I think, is it time to crack this? Uh, yeah. Let's crack it. Ready? One, two, three, and... I feel like that was real It was a wheat crack. Wheat crack. Oh. All right. So All right. this is the IPA. Can I get a cheers on this? Cheers. That was a real wheat cheers, too. Wheat cheers, too. We're just we're not starting off good today. Lamos. Lamos. Hey, but we love you guys. <laughs> I mean, we do love you guys. Wait, hold on. Cheers! (laughs) Was that plastic and glass together? Yeah. (laughs) Amy's like, let me manufacture a good cheers. It was better than the canned cheers, was it not? I mean, you're not wrong. It still was weak as fuck. (laughs) But not as weak as what we tried to do. Yeah. All right. That being said, cheers. Cheers, boo. Let's, Let's give it a shot. This smells really light. That's actually really, really good. Oh, shit. I don't have a good descriptive word. So, it it is uh, very hoppy. It no, is, it's not. You can't taste nothing. Okay. <laughs> is so, it smooth? Yes. <laughs> so, here's, here's what I'll say. So, the hops are a little aggressive on the back end. But when you're drinking it, it's actually super smooth. Yeah, it is actually very smooth. But on the back end, uh, the hops are a little aggressive, mm, tangy, and tart on the back end. Yeah, a little aggressive. Um, Angie, come taste this and confirm or deny. Yeah, well, she's not going to. I mean, yes, she should, but um, she's not a big fan of IPAs. So we'll see how it goes. You have to talk in the mic, though. That's a no for me. That's a no for her, yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. It tastes good. Ish. Ish. Okay. Ish. But if you don't like an IPA, end, you're like not going to like an IPA. Exactly. So I actually agree with Andrea's assessment. Um, 
I think the beer is actually really good. I, I think the back end kind of kills it. So it's definitely So get not, COVID, you won't get the back end, guys. There you go. It, it's... It, Probably not worth it, I mean. It does not finish... It's been sm- worth it to me. I can't smell farts. There you go. Mike. Huh? No, I don't know. No, we're talking... No. Dave, when he got COVID, couldn't smell poop he or farts He still can't, anymore. and it's been over a year. So I'm good with that. He can apparently smell everything else, but... He has no perception of poop and farts. And I think that's probably the best thing that's ever come out of COVID ever in the entire so history. So, y'all, get COVID. You no. can you can drink. Let's not promote that. <laughs> Might as well promote it because then we'll all have the antibody. Antibodies. You know what? I will say this. I, I am actually glad that I've had it now. I'm not saying that people should go get COVID. I think that's a terrible idea. Well, I mean, they used to but, have chicken pox parties. Well, they did. But I will say, I feel like now that I've had it, like, let's be honest, antibodies are better than anything you can have. So, I'm, But they also I'm make you lose your hair. It. Yeah, that being, yeah, I mean, there are side effects that we don't know about. I mean, we hadn't heard about the hair loss thing until this Last week. Last night. Last night, yeah. So apparently, Angie Brody's mom, uh, you, you can, can lose, lose like half your hair, like fifty percent of like your hair after having three COVID. months after having COVID. Yeah, and it doesn't start until like a month, like two three months after you've had it. It's temporary. It, but it lasts for several months, and you'll lose about fifty percent of your hair. It's a newly, and they but just, not everybody gets it. And, so, and they just like listed that as one of the side effects, didn't they? Well, I don't think they had um, realized that it was a side effect, but yeah, it's they have yes, very recently realized that two to three months after, it's very possible that you could lose up to like three fourths of your hair. Yes. So anyway, it would be very irresponsible for us to promote anybody to get COVID. So we're not doing that. But what I will say is after I have had it, at least, and I think Amy would probably echo this, I'm glad we've gotten that into and out of our system and we've got the antibodies. And now Let's just all cross our fingers that I don't lose my hair. But you know what? Even if I lose half, I'll still have a full head of hair. Dude, she's got so much fucking hair. She's got so much fucking hair. She could lose... She could lose 70% of her hair. Oh, yeah. She'd I text- still look fucking like she had a full head of hair. She I texted so hair. my hairdresser, and I was like, because she got COVID. And I was like, did you lose your hair? And she goes, no, I didn't, but I know a lot of people who have. She was like, I'll send this blah, blah, blah shampoo <laughs> with your mom to give to you. And I was like, but I haven't started losing my hair yet. I just wanted to know, like, as a hairdresser. And she goes... It won't happen for at least three months if you do. But if you do, this shit works. And I was like, okay, send it along this way. And I'll be ready in case I do. Well, at least you got a backup plan, so. Well, I got people having my hairs back. Your hair's back. Nice. I have awesome hair. Shut up. You have very righteous hair. I will I not know. I will not Your mother and your sister have begged me to give them my hair and I don't I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how to do that. They do have very thin hair. That being said, I think it's time to jump into this episode. Oh, this you is... ready to rock and roll? I don't know, are you? I don't think everybody else is ready. I know this and okay, so I literally I think in episode 1 we talked about this case. We did. All right. We absolutely did talk. We, when we very first started 
to try to do this podcast. We failed a couple times, but we recorded this very same episode like three times God, at least. Yeah, three times, and we never made it through. Oh my God. Is this we... the one that I heard and then kept telling y'all to finish it? Yes. Yep. Okay. This is so my case. today. We are doing. You're the only one that's heard that. Yes, Joy actually heard the original recording, and we made it through half the episode. Uh, I think one time we actually made it through three fourths. We were like probably this yeah, close we got real to finishing. Close. So for two years, I've been saying, "Finish it, finish yes. it." Yep. So, so today we're fucking woo-hoo! finishing it. Episode so, twenty-five, right? Episode twenty-five. We are doing David, David Parker, Parker Ray. Ray. The Toy Box Killer. The Toy Box Killer. So I'm going to go ahead and give some, um, God, what this, what's the fucking word? Disclaimers. Not disclaimers. Trigger warnings. Trigger warnings. Trigger yes. warnings. Trigger warnings. If you don't like really old assholes, if you don't like rape, if you don't like torture, torture, ultra violence. Any of that stuff, you have picked the wrong episode. Yeah, if, if it's and we love you guys, and we welcome you to go to another episode or join us next week. But this we understand is going if you skip this one. This is um, this one. There's a reason we didn't make it through it the first couple times. We're gonna get through it today, but yeah, this is a very um. Mike made it through two pages of a book on this guy. Yeah, I had <laughs> I had to put the book down. So this is a pretty rough case, but we're going to get through it. So that being said, for those of you of you who want to stick with us, cool. If not, no worries. We'll catch you next week. But that being said, Hopefully you know next us. Week I don't think we And you know what's funny is I don't think we've ever given a trigger warning. We have not. On a case. We so, have not. But this one de- this one We're going to do it. Deserves it. It definitely deserves it. This is a fucked up case, but it is a very interesting case. So, and and this is why this one deserves it. I'm gonna start with giving you a quote from David Parker Ray, a quote that he would say to his victims. He would say, "You probably think you're going to be raped. You're right." Thoroughly, repeatedly, completely. It's no big deal. My lady friend and I have been doing it for years. We prefer to snatch young girls. You are a piece of meat. Yep. So that kind of gives you a preview of what you're in store for. So trigger warning. If that sets you off. Turn it off now. Go backwards or go forwards. (laughs) Yep. We won't be offended. That being said, you ready to jump into it? I'm ready. All right. Okay. So everybody knows I always say I'm going to present this case a little different. It's twisty. You're a little different. (laughs) You're a fuckhead. (laughs) (laughs) And with that said, it's going to be a little different because this, there's... You, you look like you're going to fucking say something. Yeah, Didn't he? Gonna, he looks I, a little crazy. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of information with this case. So I'm just going to say that one of the officers, Casey Rogers, said, like David's victims, one day we woke up and we were changed forever. 
He was talking about the police officers involved in the case. Because this was such a... Fucked up case? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think of a better way to... No, that's pretty much the best way you can describe it. Yeah. It's fucked up. So, another officer said, I thought I knew everything about sex, but I didn't have a clue. I was flabbergasted. Everyone was flabbergasted at what we saw in that place. I I mean, I love that he used flabbergasted as a word. I mean, it, it is a good word. It is a great word. So, kind of like the bee's <clears throat> knees. N- no, bee's knees is nicer. Flabbergasted well, is modern. Bee's knees is like 1923. Right, I'm just saying, like, those are those are words. Yeah, nobody said that. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Mike. Hey, I know things. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Okay, so you almost you almost need this comic relief for this case. (laughs) You um, definitely do. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. (laughs) So I said at the beginning that the case took place in truth or consequences, but it actually technically took place in Elephant Butte, which is very very close to truth or consequences. They get the quote-unquote credit for the crime because they had the only police department in the area to investigate the crime. Um, Elephant Butte actually had one stoplight and was dubbed New Mexico's newest city because it had been incorporated as a city in 1998, just a year before David was caught. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I know this story, and I didn't know that. And they only had a population of 2,500. So that's why when you hear about the case, you hear about it being a truth or consequences case. Because yeah. I think even to this day, Elephant Butte is tiny. But it was considered a major international drug corridor, like, even their fire department was completely volunteer fire department, so... Hey, I respect the volunteer fire department. Well, sure, so do I, but when a case like this comes around and you have no police department and your fire department is volunteer, you're fucking screwed. Yeah. yeah. So, David had a trailer that was described as a trailer of horrors, and he called it his playbox. His, his woman friend that we briefly mentioned in his quote earlier is actually the one who came up with the name The Toy Box. Her name was Cindy. And The Toy Box was not actually the trailer that David lived in, but it was a trailer he had on the premises. So he lived in one trailer and then had another trailer. Correct. So um, Elephant Butte was... If I remember correctly, it was kind of like a state park area. And you could buy land for very, very cheap and, like, put an RV or a trailer or whatever on the land and not have to pay a lot of money. So a lot of people in that area did that because it was affordable and it it was a real pretty area because it's by a lake. So they could 
you know, it was it was cheap. Yeah. So Ray or David Ray later described how to dispose of a body, and he said, "Open the body's chest, fill it with rocks, bind it with chicken wire, and drop it to the bottom of the lake for the catfish." I mean. As much as I hate to say it, that makes sense. It's a weird way to weight down a body, but it seems relatively foolproof in theory. When you got to think about it, it's... As disgusting as it is. Well, and this is not a well-traveled area. Yeah, right. Right. He also eventually said, I cannot change the past, but I can be sorry for what I did. So he didn't say he was sorry. Just that he could be. He could be sorry, right. So there are actually multiple people besides David uh, Parker Ray that are involved in this case. He's the main perpetrator, known as the Toy Box Killer. The perp. Perp or perf? 100% the perp. Perp. Don't be dirty, Joy. That's you. There's also a man named Dennis Roy Yancey, who was described as David's disciple. Look. Yeah. It's fucking weird, right? Okay, they're both shaking their head. No, I was trying to get her to be like, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's what I needed. (laughs) Glad you got completion there. (laughs) There was also Glenda Jean Ray, also known as Jessie. Who was David's daughter. She was a lesbian who was known as the Dyke on the Bike. And Cynthia Hendy, who was David's girlfriend at the time. So they were all involved. That's way too many fucking people to be involved in this case. Well, you know, I would tell you to talk to David, but you can't. So, there are multiple victims, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you three of them. There was Cindy Vigil, and so it's going to get a little confusing when we get into the major details because the girlfriend who helped David, her name was Cindy, and the victim who caused David to be caught, her name was also Cindy. So, it's going to get confusing. Explainer. Yes. And there were a couple other victims. Hashtag explainer. <laughs> I'm fucking with Joy. Sorry. She Go is ahead. not amused. Look at her She's face. not amused. She's giving me dirty looks. <laughs> Am I going to have to threaten to kill you on every episode? Probably. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. I, I Has just... she done that? Oh, yeah. Well, not every episode. Angie and I threatened to cut his head off and stick him in the refrigerator. Yeah, true that. So when David was caught, he actually had 25 charges brought against him. Some of them included kidnapping, criminal sexual penetration, aggravated assault, and criminal conspiracy. So there was a lot of evidence found when he was finally investigated. There was videotapes, possible snuff videos, audio tapes made to scare his victims. Snuff videos? Yeah. Damn. 
That's savage. I told you he was a fucking douche, asshole, piece yeah. of shit motherfucker. Yeah, for sure. Um, The crime scene alone had 2,000 pieces of evidence, but some of it wasn't allowed at trial as it wasn't given to the defense on time. Really? They didn't allow it? Some of it they did not allow. And actually... Sidebar, if you go onto the FBI's website now, or at least within the last year, yeah, if you go on and look, they have a bunch of um, like jewelry and items that were found when searching his property that they're trying to identify because they believe there are a lot more victims than they have been able to confirm. Yeah. So, if you have a missing family member from New Mexico, go... Look on the FBI's website and see if you recognize anything. They not only investigated Elephant Butte, but they also investigated El Paso, Texas, Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona, and Victoria, Texas. Oh, wow. So they covered a pretty big area, yeah. Yeah, there was possibility that David had made the rounds. (laughs) So, on March 22nd, 1999... Cindy Vigil or Vigil, I, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce her last name. I think it's Vigil. I think you're right. I could be wrong on that, so if we're getting that wrong, we do apologize. Unfortunately, she is um, no longer with us to correct the way she says her name. Um, but she was 22, and she was David's last victim. At the time, she was a heroin addict. She actually initially was known as either the Albuquerque woman, Jane Doe number one, or the first known victim. Because they wanted to keep her identity secret because she was still alive. So, David had picked her up and got her into one of his trailers where his girlfriend, Cindy Hindi, stunned her with a stun gun. I don't know a lot about stun guns. Yeah, I don't either. I'm I'm curious if it's like a taser or They said stun gun and I honestly I, I don't I don't know the difference. I mean maybe like what the police have where it shoots the little barbs out and like a I don't I, I don't I think know. It's all, I think they're all tasers on some level, but I, I don't really know. I, I yeah, I, I don't either. The the book that I read specifically said stun gun. So if you guys know of a difference between a stun gun and a taser, let us know. But once she was kidnapped, David played a tape for her. And the tape said, Now I bet you feel stupid, don't you, bitch? You never should have trusted me, huh? The tape had re- had been recorded on July 23rd, 1993. So, seven years prior. Oh, uh, so he was just using it over and over again. That's what investigators believe. Gotcha. So, this was a routine for him, was he would kidnap a woman and then exactly. play this fucking tape. Yeah. Or mu- he multiple tapes, whatever. Sure, yeah. So, Cindy Vigil had, Vigil had actually been able to escape, but she was held by David Parker Ray for three days and nights. Cynthia Hindi, David's girlfriend, had actually been put in charge of 
quote-unquote babysitting Vigil. But Vigil was actually able to reach the handcuff key to her handcuffs and unlock herself. Cindy Hindi, this is where it gets confusing. Cindy Hindi realized that Vigil had unlocked the handcuffs and hit the other Cindy over the head with a lamp in David's trailer. With a lamp? Fuck yeah, dude. Well, no, this is Hindi. That's not... Oh, wait. So... Captive Cindy escapes. She unlocks the handcuffs. Other Cindy realizes it and hits her over the head with a lamp. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Yep, yep, yep. But, but Captive Cindy, she doesn't take any shit. She grabs a freaking ice pick from somewhere. Hells yeah. After she'd been hit over the head with the lamp and stabbed... The other Cindy in the neck with the ice pick. In the neck? Yeah. Savage bitch. Hell. And she fucking runs. Hell right? Yeah, dude. So she escapes from David's trailer wearing only a metal collar with the chain still attached. Oh, shit. So she's stark naked running for her fucking life, right? So it was determined later that Vigil had actually not been fed for three days. But when she was running for her life, she actually tried to get into two cars. But the drivers were frightened by the sight of her and drove on. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. The first time I heard this, I was like, you know, that's fucked up. Like, this chick is running down the street, butt naked, bloodied, and, and with a chain around her neck. But at the same time, if you think about it, like if some crazy ass bitch came right up to your fucking window covered in blood and I mean, that that would probably be, be pretty scary. Freaky, so right? I understand like the reaction of people to speed off to an extent, but I I would hope people would stop and try to help, but apparently not. Not in this case. Yeah, not in this case. <laughs> But, Which probably tells you how bad it was, honestly. So, yeah. But at least call the police. Yeah, right. Well, so they did. So Cindy actually ended up at 301 Hot Springs Landing Road. But before that, there were actually four 911 calls made. Oh, there were four? There were. So at 3.30 p.m., there was a call made from David's house, 513 Bass Road. It was a call and a hang-up, right? They determined later that Cindy Vigil had actually made this call trying to call 911, but then Hindi obviously realized that she'd escaped and hit her over the head with the lamp. So this was at David's house. Yes, this okay. was the very first call. And because it was a call and a hang-up, officers were sent out to investigate. So, officers David Elston and Lucas Alvarez were responding to this call. After that, one of the drivers who saw Cindy running called 911 and described this naked, bloody girl running. After that, Dawn, another passerby, called 911 with the same description. The last call to 911 came from... The 301 Hot Springs Landing Road, which was um, the Breach's house, which is where Cindy ended up. 
And the same police officers, Elson and Alvarez, ended up responding to that call as well. So Darlene, the older woman who lived at the house, described Cindy when she got there. And she said she was trembling, wobbly. She had very deep cuts and bruises around her wrists and ankles. There was blood just like still flowing down her legs. When the police got there, they took her to the Sierra Vista Hospital. And, of course, they performed a rape kit. And they removed the metal collar. But they could only do that with bolt cutters by a maintenance man. You're kidding. Yeah. Wow. So did we talk about how she entered the house? Because I know that she busted up in there. She did. So Homegirl was tripping. And then she was cool. But then... The, well, the husband... The husband was, like, in the back gardening and, like... Right, and he grabbed her a robe and... <clears throat> right. Covered her up. Like, they did what they could do for, for her, but she was still actively bleeding. Did she escape during the day or at night? Uh, during the day. David was at work. So, a, a small example of how Cindy Vigil, Vigil was treated while she was at David's was that, remember, she was a heroin addict... She wasn't given heroin while she was at his house, so she was forced to come off of it. Oh, so she's fucking detoxing in the midst of everything else. Exactly. That's fucked. And I I don't know, because I've never detoxed off of heroin, but it kind of sounds like maybe you have to go to the bathroom a lot. I, I, I don't know. But... David would get really sick of her having to go to the bathroom. And remember, she was only there for three days. Yeah. But he would get so sick of her having to go to the bathroom that he would force her to crawl to the bathroom like a dog. He wouldn't even, like, let her walk to the bathroom. He would bring his victims... And he was... To interrupt myself, he was kind of in his head... His own scientist, where he was experimenting with toys and whatever. But he would purposely bring his victims to the brink of death. And then purposely revive them. If his victim died, he considered that a failure. So he just wanted these women to Suffer. Suffer. Yeah, he wanted to torture and torment to the brink of death and then keep doing it again and again. Exactly. So, luckily, David, Parker Ray, and Cindy Hindi were both arrested the same day. Because remember, the first 911 call was made from their home. When Cindy Hindi was arrested, she still had blood in her hair. Because Vigil had stabbed her in the neck with the ice pick. And they were both housed at a police training center in New Mexico. Cindy Hendy actually said to Cindy Vigil, I've only been kidnapping, raping, and murdering girls for a year. David's been doing it for many years. She just as fucked up as David. It sounds like it. Well, and the scary thing is, she is now out in public. What? She's out of jail now? Yeah, you're the one that told me she was out of jail. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, what? Have we confirmed? 
yeah, that's why we. This is why we were gonna start the podcast to begin uh, with, however many years ago, because she was getting out of jail. That's fucked up. Yeah, I forgot about that. Is she on parole at least? No. She what? What? She's not even on parole. She is not. So two years ago, so in 1999, when they were arrested, she was sentenced to 36 years in prison. But because because of the law at the time, she was eligible for release after serving half of that time. So as of two years ago, she was released. And the New Mexico Department of Corrections says that the last two years of her being behind bars counts as her parole. So when she was released two years ago, she no longer had to report to the state. That's fucked up. So she's a fucking free woman as of, what, end of 2019-ish? <laughs> um, I mean, I get the fucking fucked up prison system, fine, whatever, like, I mean, but still, like, I, they could have given her, like, five, ten years of parole. I know people who've gotten that for drug charges. What the fuck? And she was over there, like, helping, like, assault and rape women. Like, what the fuck, dude? She should be having to wear an ankle bracelet. She should, but the important thing to note is that while David was... David and Cindy were convicted of kidnapping and raping and torturing, there was never any evidence of murder... Right, and I get that, but, I mean, she got 36 years? Mm -hmm. 36 years, served half, and got no parole? Correct. Yeah, no, 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 fuck that. And, And she wholeheartedly believed that David had murdered at least 14 women. Well, I mean, without any proof or evidence, whatever, but... And she said... I wholeheartedly believe she can kiss my ass and should be fucking on parole at least at well, fucking least she'd probably really like to kiss your ass i mean not in a sexual <laughs> way but you get my point no she probably would in a sexual way like to kiss your ass not interested thanks pass yes i wasn't offering you up <laughs> just offering um some insight into her brain yeah yeah i, I got you <laughs> she'd probably be more interested in kissing yours maybe I, you know, she was interested in David, who was much older than her, but she was also interested in fucking some people up, so I'm not entirely sure that she would care whose ass it was. Not true. Um, because, like I said, she did believe herself that David had killed at least 14 women, and she went so far as to say that the bodies were buried around Elephant Butte Lake and someplace called Kettletop. Now, the police did search the area because David also claimed to have murdered. Even even though a murder was a failure in his eyes, he did claim to have failed. But the water in Elephant Butte Lake is very, very murky. And the silt in the water can very easily surround a body. So, divers who actually looked for bodies in the lake said that finding one at the bottom of the lake would be impossible. Not only because of the uh, silt, but because yellow and flathead catfish live in the lake. 
and they can weigh up to 80 pounds. What? That's a big-ass catfish. Right. And they are scavenger omnivores, so they'll eat anything. Oh, no shit. Including human f- flesh. So. so this is literally, like, the best place to put a body in, like, the whole entire world. Basically, they said that these catfish would eat the body, leaving no trace. Damn. So if if David was smart enough to throw it into the lake, it's highly unlikely that they would ever find any evidence of I, a body. I mean, you say smart enough. I mean, he probably just dumped it in there thinking... You know, oh, nobody will ever find it. He probably didn't know nothing about all these, <sighs> all these fucking om, omnivore catfish. And David and- was pretty fucking smart. Oh, okay. David was pretty fucking smart. So, if anybody's interested in a more detailed account of what Cindy Vigil went through, uh, there's a book called Slow Death, and she actually like accounts. Detail by t- detail what she went through uh, to Officer Wesley La Cuesta, Cuesta. Um, on pages 18 and 19, she gives like a full detail of what happened to her. Yeah. So I, I won't go, in all go into details, that because yeah. it's pretty fucking nasty. Um, I did feel kind of bad for her because there was not a female officer in the county at the time to question her. So she had to talk to Officer LaQuesta. She actually became kind of close to him be- because of it. But sure. usually they, they try to... I mean, I, the one thing I will say is I, I I understand the need for that. But not having it, if he was respectful and, you know, whatever, then, you know, hopefully he hopefully he did right by her. and Yeah. Well, and he, he did. He yeah. did. So, remember that Cindy and David were arrested same day in March, right? So, on March 24th of 1999, they were both officially charged. And eventually, like I said, David was charged with 25 different charges. But at this point, all they have is Cindy Vigil. Yeah. So, when they arrested him and Cindy for Cindy Vigil... He was charged with seven counts of kidnapping. And with just that, he faced 95 years in prison and $85,000 in fines. Later, another victim, Angelica Montoyo, was called in. They, through the investigation, discovered she was a victim. And there was an additional 25 charges added because of her. But... David refused to plead guilty. David's own lawyer, Jeff Rain, actually had to go into David's toy box. He got nauseous, couldn't handle seeing what he saw, and actually had to leave the toy box. And this is the man who's supposed to defend David, right? That's pretty bad. So what did he find in there? Well, we'll get there. Okay. Cindy testified in David and Cindy Hindy's trial. And she didn't remember a lot because what we find out from victims and David himself is that he would kind of like sedate them. Uh, But she remembered an orange pill. She remembered being forced to listen to some sort of recording of David's. She knew she had been held for three days. She had been restrained 
beaten, shocked, and suspended by her breasts. Oh. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah. Suspended uh, by her breasts. Correct. Wow. Yeah. And she escaped before she actually got moved to David's toy box. That was just his house. That was just his house. That was just his house. That wasn't even his toy box torture chamber. Exactly. And that's what she went through. She told the court that David and Cindy Hindi had planned on kidnapping a 10-year-old girl. Oh, what the fuck? To keep as a sex slave. Both Cindy and Angelica, the girl I just previously mentioned, testified that Cindy Hindi would watch David abuse them while pointing a handgun at them. So Cindy Hindi would stand there and be like, you can't do shit and threaten them with a gun while David was doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Right. So then, on April 17th, 1999... Christina Young, who was Roy Yancey's wife, and I mentioned at the beginning that Roy was kind of David's disciple. His wife told the press that her husband had confessed to her that he had murdered a girl named Marie. According to Roy, David Marie and Jesse, and Jesse was David's daughter, and Roy had left a place called the Blue Water Saloon to buy some drugs for Marie. And David had ordered Roy to kill Marie. Uh, there was some rumor that Roy was like having an affair with this Marie girl. And that David had said, well, you have to kill her. I don't know why other than for the thrill of it. And he just went along with that and was like, okay. Well, he was David's disciple. And he was kind of scared of David, I think. And David actually videoed Roy strangling Marie. Oh, wow. Right. She had actually been taken to the toy box. So she had been one of David's victims. And Roy knew what the toy box was. David actually videoed Marie's murder for a snuff video. Gotcha. And her body was never found. And so, like I said, on April 17th, Roy's wife came out to the press and told them all of this. So now they have evidence that Roy has killed somebody, but they still don't have any evidence that David has killed anybody. Correct. Or Sunday. On April 26th, 1999, David's daughter, Jessie Ray, was arrested. Her lawyer said she was innocent and that she was not going to testify against her dad. She was charged with 12 different charges, some of them including kidnapping and criminal sexual penetration. Just on a side note, and there's no proof of this, but she did have a seven-year-old daughter. And there is rumor that David Parker Ray was the father. So there may have been an incestual relationship there. She did have, I, I mentioned earlier that she was a lesbian. She did have a lover of 10 years whose name was Terry Haffenbrack. And she actually described Jesse as very nice, but she did have an explosive temper. Now, here's what's fucked up. 
1986, so more than 10 years prior, Jesse actually contacted the FBI Albuquerque office to tell them about some of her dad's activities. This is the daughter. The daughter. Really? Okay. Yeah, when she was younger. Supposedly, the FBI investigated her claims and closed the case because it lacked detail. It's also rumored that the FBI was called in in 1999 with the state police because they realized they, quote, fucked up back then. Whoops. Because the daughter had tried to... Warn them. Warn them and they didn't listen. Sounds like a fuck up to me. When he was investigated in 1986, he actually told the FBI himself that he was potentially dangerous. David? Yep. Really? But they still dropped the case. Sounds like a bang-up job to me. (laughs) Right. On May 11th, 2000, Cindy Hindi was sentenced. On July 12th, 2000... The jury began deliberation on David's case at 2.15. The foreman stated that after eight hours, they could not reach a verdict. So the judge just declared a mistrial. In David's case? Mm -hmm. Really? Yep. So on November 30th, 2000, Judge Mertz, who was in charge of the case, died in the shower. So of course... The trial was postponed so that they could find another judge. Wow. There were only two judges left, apparently. Thomas G. Finch and Edmund Case III. Both judges were shot down by the attorneys for various reasons. So the governor of the state was actually forced to make a decision on who the judge was going to be in David's case. Oh, wow. So, Judge Kevin Saeza was picked. He had no prior experience with criminal cases. Excellent choice. Traffic judge or something? I don't know. Like, I I don't know what other kind of judges there are, but. (laughs) Well, there's lots, but. um... (laughs) So, David's new trial was set for March 23rd, 2001. But it actually did not. The first day of testimony in the new trial was April 9th, 2001. At the end of the trial, the defense rested without calling any witnesses. The defense did? The defense did not call any witnesses in David's case. Wow. Right? I I wonder if that was, like, intentional, like, Oh, what do they call it? Ineffective uh, counsel? Like, did he do it on purpose because he knew he could, or maybe he or maybe he just knew this shit was so fucked up he couldn't there was nobody he could call. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I would if I were David, I would have said an ineffective counsel, but he died yeah. very shortly after. So um on April sixteenth at four fifteen the jury began deliberation. At 9.30 that night, they returned, finding him guilty of kidnapping, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, assault, seven counts of criminal penetration, and on and on and on. He was sentenced to 224 years in prison. 
224 years. Holy fucking shit. Without being charged guilty of murder. That's epic. He deserves it. I'm oh, not saying yeah. he doesn't. And, and we're he gonna, totally fucking deserves like, all I, of it. I know you specifically feel like I've skipped over a lot of details. I absolutely do. But right we're now. about to get into it. I'm sitting here going, we've literally gone through this entire case and you've not told us anything about what he did. Well, I'm about to go into it because there's so much. So I'm about to go into it. But yeah. he was sentenced to 224 years in prison on September 20th, 01. On May 28th, 02, so not even a year later, David was taken to his final cell, like where he was going to be, and immediately died. Just of natural causes? Yep. He didn't. Fucking prick. Yep. So, you want to know more about David? Do you really? I don't want to hear about David. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, you picked the wrong episode to be on then. <laughs> I didn't pick. <laughs> That's valid. That's valid. You just showed up for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Boo, do you want to hear about David? I mean, we're already into it. Let's get it. All right. So, he was born on November 6, 1939, in Belen, New Mexico. Dick. True. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. To Cecil Ray and Nettie Parker. Hence the name David Ray Parker. I bet they were so proud. (laughs) So proud. Well, I don't think they were peaches either. Look, we gave birth to a dick. (laughs) So he did have a sister who was a year younger than him, and her name was Peggy. Cecil was an alcoholic who left when David was 10. And David and Peggy were sent to live with his dad's parents. Weird, right? Dad left, but they're sent to live with his parents. Yeah. David was bullied by classmates, and actually a childhood friend described him as very docile and that he didn't believe in violence. Interesting. Wrong. David's grandfather was extremely strict, and he would beat both David and Peggy, and the childhood friend was afraid of the grandfather. David has since been defined as a serial criminal sexual sadist. Yeah, I get that. One of only 25 known to investigators. What? In all of history in the U.S., I'm assuming. Sexual sadist, yes. I don't believe that. Wait, sexual sadist criminals? Sexual sadist. They don't consider Ted Bundy a sexual sadist. They don't, there's a lot of killers and criminals that commit sexual crimes, but they're not considered sexual sadists because they don't go to the extreme. They didn't have a toy box. Exactly. Okay, so here, I think here's the differentiation. I think there's probably lots of sexual sadists out there, but they don't necessarily take it to that criminal level. Maybe like only it's a one, one of only twenty five known. One of only twenty five known. Gotcha. So there could be a lot. There more could be a lot more. Oh, I believe there's a fuck ton more. And yeah. David actually viewed himself as a sexual scientist who was skilled in the art of pain. Well, I know lots of drug dealers who consider themselves street pharmacists, but it doesn't make them fucking pharmacists. So, you know, just saying. True. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Just for a comparison, you know? 
So I'm I'm gonna give quotes from him throughout, obviously, but one of his oh, quotes goody. from 1993 was that grabbing a hooker is easier than grabbing a housewife. I mean, probably not. Untrue. Probably not wrong. I was sitting there going, probably not wrong. I mean. I, I mean, you don't actually have to work for that. You just pull up. And- exactly. Now, he was known as a police buff. He had numerous police scanners. He had various badges. Watched a lot of forensic files. I'm not entirely sure forensic files was around back then, but if it was, I'm sure he did. 1930s, probably not. This isn't the 1930s. But he was born in 1939. He was. But he wasn't so, watching Forensic Files okay. in the 30s. So still in the 1950s, <laughs> it wasn't on air. Calm I'm sure down, in the Mr. 90s, it wasn't Wait, on. but this is the 1990s. Uh, but <laughs> now. But, no, now is the 2000s. Okay. 2020s. My point is that he wasn't learning from watching it on TV. Correct. Joy is right and you are wrong. Yeah, I learned. Smartass. I just want you to know that I learn things all the time now. From TV. Yeah. But you were not born in 1939. Yeah. In fact, at that time, they were probably listening to the radio. I love why you said Let's just remember he was arrested in 1999, which is when I graduated from high school. Forensic files went around. Right, and I'm not I'm not arguing with you there, but But he'll argue with me, but not you. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Uh, Cuz he knows I'll kick his ass. Bring yeah. it, woman. So, he had various There's badges and <laughs> handguns. Yeah, what? Various badges and handguns. Like police badges? Yeah. He probably Department got them from badges. He had lists of the New Mexico 10 codes. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I'm sure it's like Police jargon. He had Kojak lights. Kojak lights. The fake, the cherry that you can take out and pop on the roof of the car, put it in the dash. Oh! How do you know what this is, Joy? Because I'm old enough, I watched Kojak on TV, you asshole. (laughs) Joy has a Kojak light in her car. I didn't even know there was a show called Kojak. (laughs) Yeah, never heard of it. Sad, sad. It's a classic, or was considered at the time. It was now I'm gonna have show. to. Now I have to. Get, I'm gonna have to see if I can find it now. Uh-huh. Is it what? C O A J A K. It's with a K. It's a K. Oh K. Oh yeah. She's got it written down. Yeah. I'm just asking Amy. <laughs> Make me feel old. Thank you very much. Uh, it wasn't intentional. I didn't know it was actually a show. I was like, what Why is, is that? it a Kojak life? So, <laughs> it's a legitimate question for somebody who doesn't know. Yeah. A- aside from the Kojak lights, he also had various first responder uniforms, including the Alamosa Fire Department, Superior Security Agency, and even the Armored Motor Service from Arizona. So he was motivated to be sneaky to kidnap women. Correct. His crams, crams. Mmm. <laughs> His yummy. Cr- Kick your ass. Inappropriate. (laughs) His crimes spanned 45 years, but he was only tried for the kidnapping and rape of the three known victims. See, so uh, that kind of thing always makes me curious. So, like, I know sometimes, like, prosecutors will only try for one or two crimes, 
knowing that that's enough to convict for a certain period of time. And then if they get out, they can still try them for their crimes. Sure. Usually that's a murder because a lot of, I mean, because a lot of crimes have a statute of limitations. Correct. So that does confuse me. I'm curious if they didn't have enough evidence in some or whatever. Uh, they only had evidence in the three. Oh, uh, okay. The... Crime spanning 45 years was from his diaries that he kept from the time he was, like, 13. Right. And while it could be viewed as a confession, it could also be a... Fantasy. Fantasy or what? Yeah, exactly. And they didn't use those diaries as evidence? Uh, So his diaries ended, I believe, in 1993. And all of the victims that they were (laughs) able to confirm happened after that. So... Literally, for the crimes before that, all they had was his writings. There was no people making complaints. There was nothing. And it it could be the same as somebody keeping a journal of... Just a fantasy. Fantasies, blowing smoke. Like, sometimes psychologists will tell you that. He could be writing a book. Right. So, it's not actual evidence. 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 Without a complainant. Right. They couldn't really do anything. So David was described by his neighbors as a very quiet man who was willing to help. He was a good neighbor. He was very thin, about 160 pounds, not very strong. He often had to use that stun gun to get his victims. He did work for the park system of New Mexico. So maybe some of those badges were legit. He performed maintenance on the park vehicles and property. Uh, his co-workers were skeptical when he was arrested. In 1995, he was awarded Employee of the Month. He had built a portable light unit from scratch that only cost $48 and saved the city almost $8,000. So he was like... Awesome dude for the city, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it sounds like he's engineering something for the city. And, yeah, I mean, that's commendable if you're not a fucking psychopath. Exactly. Um, It was later discovered that a lot of the torture equipment that he had made was made with state park equipment. Nice. So he was taking shit from his job to... Build, wow. His misappropriation of... Well, I mean, let's be honest. He paid for it by saving the city all that money, right? I mean... He earned earned that torture chamber equipment. Yeah, that's a bad joke, but yeah. (laughs) What the fuck, man? So, he was known as a perfectionist. He had actually written scripts for his victims, and I've given some quotes of those. But they were actually tailored to his victim type. So he had a school-age girl script, a virginal script, a prostitute script. So when you say script, are you talking about like the, the like the videos that the he tapes played? That he would the tapes. Play. So he has pre-recorded tapes that he would play for whatever kind of victim. Exactly. That, wow. Wow. And they actually found nine tapes total. So he had nine different victim types. Wow. So he sounds like he should have been on an episode of Criminal Minds. Yes. They actually called the tapes the terror tapes. 
He was obviously gifted. They they say that the average police officer's IQ is about 90. David's was at least 130. So, he's a smart dude. I mean, good for him. Way, well, to, I mean, way to waste it on fucking being a fucking psychopath. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if his crimes really did last 45 years, like he claimed... How many other serial killers or rapists can we confirm whose spree lasted that long? And you can't even confirm his. Right. Well, I mean, I will say there's plenty that we know about, but is it, like, I mean, if you think about all the fucking serial killers and all Well, his victims that we know about are only three. Right, but what I'm saying is, is... You're not wrong, because ultimately, most of them get caught much earlier, right? right? That's what I'm saying. So, if if he truly did commit crimes for that many years, he had to have been at least a little bit smart to be able... To evade. Exactly. And to trick people into... Correct. Exactly. And he would, like, trick his friends and people he knew well. Well, and it sounds like he has some of that manipulative value... um, well, Especially yeah. now, I mean, because you said that there's multiple people who were involved in mm-hmm. this, and so I'm assuming he's coaxing them into it. Well, he's and he's almost got that old man vibe, right? Like he's a hundred. I mean, there's a pounds. lot of old men. There's creepy old man <laughs> vibe. There's that. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. There's, All right, we're gonna there's skip more than that one part. old man vibe. So in 1960, from 1960 to 1963, David served in served in the army and was stationed in Korea. The police wonder how many victims he might have had in Korea. Korea no way. Probably wonders. Well, too. it very well could have really like taken off. I mean. For lack of a better word, like his crazy sadisticness, I mean, pretty could sure have... it started before that. Uh, well, okay, yeah, yeah. So, Casey Rogers was one of the police officers, and he believed that David's behavior was caused by being sexually abused by his aunt. She wanted David to hurt her during sex, which led to his disrespect for women. And he began to associate sexual pleasure for himself with pain and violence. In fact, one of David's devices in his torture chamber was a device that simulated childbirth, which is the worst pain that a woman feels. Uh, (laughs) You're going to have to explain that to me. How does one simulate Childbirth with a device. I don't think um, need to know. I've had four kids. I cannot answer that question. Uh, I didn't know. Okay, sorry. I I didn't know if like they described that in your research. No, no, like, that's that one. I was like, what? Like, okay, yeah. Anyway, no, no yeah, idea. Continue. Yeah, and I'm very, I'm curious, not morbidly curious. <laughs> Maybe because I've had four kids and I know what the fuck that feels like. Yeah. And I, I truly don't think anything could simulate that pain. I mean, so uh, if they're saying he could, I'm sure he could. I just, that, well, I that's abs- fucked up. I'm absolutely sure that that was his intention. Yeah. Whether he was successful or not, don't know. 
Don't want to be that test subject. So Ray Yancey was the disciple of David. He was born in 1971, came from a middle-class family. His dad was actually a police officer, and his mom was a secretary, but he joined a satanic cult in high school. Sometimes you got to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never felt like I had to join a satanic cult. Me neither. Yeah, that was a joke. But it was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> As Amy almost spits her drink out. <laughs> you never join a satanic cult, babe? Nope. Uh, not with all that. Uh, not with all. Not in between all your Methodist uh, church goings, you didn't do that? Not even with my magic ritual religion class. <laughs> Where you I learned all about one? Satanism. Hey, fair oh, enough. Wow. <laughs> in the summer of 1987, he got in trouble for desecrating local graveyards. So, you know, he's he like fits right in with David Ray, right? Prior to Halloween, he would poison dogs whose surnames begin, begin with R's. Be- began with ours? Ours. Ours. Oh, R, like the letter R. Like the letter R, like Richards. Dogs? Yeah, I didn't Why know do dogs, dogs have, have surnames. I think it means the their owner's maybe? surnames. Oh, that makes so more sense. Richards, Richardson, yeah. <laughs> Randall. I mean, because we did not. I mean, Trixie has a lot of names, but she's not like. She's Trixie Mitchell, don't lie. Well, yeah, sh- yeah, she's Trixie Mitchell. So it's a good, it's a good thing that the Yancey- Duchess Trixie. Oh wait, do y'all say your last name on that? Ooh, that's probably a boo boo. Oh. oh no, we don't okay. care. The Duchess Trixie McSquanagies Mitchell. <laughs> and here she comes. She's coming. Oh, yep, I she heard, heard her name. I heard, See, it worked. I heard the one kneecap. I the kneecap. Oh, kneecap got stuck in the cord. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our Poor children dog. gave her the nickname <laughs> Kneecap. Because <laughs> they're weird. <laughs> You'll have but to ask a, the older ones why they decided to call her Kneecap. But it's important that you emphasize it correctly. It's Kneecap. <laughs> She's like, I'm done with y'all again. <laughs> if you just say the word Kneecap, she will not respond. She walked away, in it's fact. It's Kneecap. Kneecap. She's like, no. She's like, no thanks. She's like, I'm done with you now. So anyway. You're calling her Trixie. She was coming to you. Trixquanagies. McSquanagan. McSquan. No, she's like, fuck you. She's got like 85 nicknames. <laughs> like, That's for real. for dogs. Oh, she's eating <laughs> dinner time. <laughs> swear to God, she has terrible timing. <laughs> She's a well out here. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he poisoned the dogs and would leave their bodies on the doorstep. Oh, whose doorstep? The, the, the Mitchells, the Trixies, the, yeah, the Richards. Oh wait, the, yeah, those people. He leave them on the doorstep of the people who the families, the families who of, started with ours, of whom owned the dog. Correct. Yeah, it's really sad that it we had been, to do the mental math for him on that. Well, what's sad is I could have just said, "You mean the dog owner's doorstep?" <laughs> yeah. That would have been too easy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David was said to have been the leader of this. Uh, little game he had going on. 
He also was in a gang that practiced witchcraft. The only thing that disturbs me about that is gang, like witchcraft, whatever. So do you think that he picked R for Roy? I think so. And his name was, I think he went by Roy, even though his name was uh, something else. I think he went by his last name was Nancy. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought he said Nancy. I did, I I did, say, say, I did Nancy. say Nancy. Oh. Yeah, that's always a Nancy. So he was a Nancy boy? He was a Nancy boy. So he tortured animals, but he was also in the Navy. Um, When he was arrested, his wife was pregnant. His nickname was Toy Box Roy. Ugh. Yeah. But he also claimed to have been tied down and raped with a broom handle at one of David's little parties that he had. So again, apparently David don't care. He's whatever, whatever. Any victim is a good victim. Exactly. As long as they're not dead, because dead's a failure. Cindy Hindi, David's girlfriend, was 37 at the time that the crimes that they were convicted for were committed. She was actually the mom of three... Wow. Winner. Well, her kids didn't live with her. Good thing. Yeah, right? Um, She was actually running from the Seattle police, which is why she was in New Mexico. Chicken dinner. True. And she was running because she didn't want to go to rehab. I mean, nobody really wants to go to rehab, but, you know. I feel like she'd have been better off going to rehab than hooking up with David. But oh, she absolutely would have been better off going to rehab, but that doesn't mean she wants to go to rehab, right? So, her dad was in the Navy. Her mother was an aspiring model and beauty queen. Cindy was pregnant at age 16 with her son, Shane, who was raised by his grandparents and foster parents. She also had two more children, two daughters, Heather and Muffy. Muffy. Correct. That's a dog name. No, it's an upper crust society name. No, that's a fucking dog name. (laughs) I mean, I had a dog dog named Muffin. I'm going to have to agree. That is a dog name. Muffy. I mean, it does sound pretty fucking snooty. (laughs) Exactly. But. It's a snooty. Oh. Yeah. yeah, when you said the snooty thing, yeah, okay, yeah. it is a person name, but it's yeah. really a dog name. <laughs> if anybody out there is listening and your name is Muffy, change it. I am so sorry. <laughs> Joy said, change it. I am not only sorry that I've offended you, but I'm also sorry that your name is Muffy. And yes, I rejoice. You should just go get that changed real quick. Because nobody will ever like you with a name like Muffy. I mean, we, we like did have yourself. a pseudo friend named. Smuffy. Okay, yeah. Was it a boy? Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't his real name. <laughs> it's what Renee called him, but Smuffy. There's got to be a backstory. Yeah. I wish I knew the backstory. I, yeah, we don't know. But yeah, no, yeah. But that's a, that's a, no, yeah, no. Another story. It's not the same. Not we the don't same. know the story. So there's no, anyway, Heather and Muffy had two different dads. Shocker. Um, Cindy was prone to, to being victimized by violence, so she picked really awesome dudes. But she was also described as having a Jekyll and Hyde personality. So when she was sober, she was known to be very kind and considerate. 
she loved romance novels and soap operas. That's that's probably how Sunday Vigil was able to get away. She was probably like watching Days of Our Lives or some shit. I mean, I will say, as much as I hate to admit it, I have gotten sucked into a soap opera a couple times in my life. Only for like a whole episode or two or three, but still. Oh my god, when I lived in my story totally house. Like, they're basically like crack on television, yeah. So oh. you should watch soap. No, I don't want to watch soap. No, you should watch soap. I don't know what soap is. It's a spoof on soaps, and it was hysterical. Oh, yeah. I love spoofs. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. Well, uh, when I lived in my sorority house, if you didn't know what the fuck was going on in Days of Our Lives and Passions. My day, it was one life to live in General Hospital. I don't know about those two. My mom watched a lot of General Hospital. <laughs> it was the thing. Yeah. My, my aunt did Days of Our Lives, and I... I I could get into that. I only watched Passion because of my sorority sisters. You want to talk about a stereotypical fucking soap opera. There was like a talking doll and a witch and holy shit. It was, yeah. Uh, I wish I, I wish they could see your face right now. Ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't, I just thought it was a whole bunch of like drama. It was with witches and talking dolls. and well, all soap why? operas are drama. Well, but yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. It was passions. It was taking. It was taking. Bored, bored housewives need something. Gotcha. It yeah. was trying to take the soap opera to the next level. Oh, you gotta change the game. You gotta change the game. Yeah, it was. It was trying to like add that extra layer. I don't know. Hold I on wasn't a bored now. housewife. I was a sorority chick. Or were you? I tried to be. You were a bored housewife in the making. That's what that was. I've never been a housewife. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, but is when, Mike a house husband? No, huh. no, I work. What the fuck? That's you not what she be- meant. You know better, Joy. You want to battle? You want to battle? No, oh you know God. I can beat you. Yeah, you would totally whip my ass. It's okay. So when Cindy was <laughs> higher drunk, she was very obnoxious, foul mouthed, and would even pick fights with strangers. Hey, wait a second. We're obnoxious, foul mouthed, and drunk. But you're not. I don't feel like that's a problem. But you're not picking fights with strangers, and and you're not helping me rape people. True. Yeah. Okay, I'm just picking out that one part. <laughs> In the early 1990s, she was classified as mentally disabled Duh. and actually lived off of Social Security. Her nickname was Six Pack Cindy. Oh, nice. Wait, why was she called six packs? She was probably drink drinking beer. a six pack. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I seriously not because of her. her I was about to say I seriously <laughs> back then that no. wasn't a thing. <laughs> so the police described David's residence. They said when they pulled up, it's an older single wide mobile home. So she didn't even have like a house, right? She's <laughs> a mobile home. Hey, we don't discriminate. Um, no. So, there's nothing wrong with living in a mobile home. I she know. didn't say there was anything wrong with it. She just said she was living in one. Okay. okay. And it just wasn't a house. Okay, good. There was a carport attached to the front of the single wide, and he had a short wave antenna on the property. <laughs> on the back, there was an add on garage with two overhead doors. He had a sign that said, never trust a captive. 
Wow. I mean, you can't trust a man who's a governor. That's a song. That's not a sign. (laughs) They did not find any human remains at his house. Now I've lost track. Whose house is this? This is David's house. Okay, we're done with Roy and we're talking. Okay. Calm down, Mikey. (gasps) I didn't do it, I swear. When they walked inside, they noticed that there were heavy drapes and Mexican blankets covering the windows of the single-wide trailer. They also found ham radios, shortwave radios, police scanners, citizen-bound radios, and handheld microphones. I don't really know the difference between all those radios, but it's a lot of fucking radios. In his den, now remember, this isn't even his toy box. This is just his house. They found broken lamp pieces, obviously, because Cindy hit Cindy. They found the bloody ice pick, because Cindy ice picked Cindy. Mm. Fuck yeah, dude. They found rings, clamps, hooks, and eye bolts. Some of the eye bolts had chains and leather straps, and they were all attached to the walls. The ceiling was covered in hooks and eye bolts. They found a handheld unisex urinal and a Polaroid. Uh, Wait, a handheld unisex urinal? Correct. Okay, continue. I just, yep, clarifying. They also found a Polaroid of Cindy Vigil. In the third room of the house, they found a pulley device with weights, lubricants, dildos, pliers, knives, scissors, toggle bolts, leather harnesses, piles of nylon straps, cords and ropes, a 17-inch knee spreader that was labeled in white paint. Oh, that that does not sound good. Not unless you're a fucking gynecologist. That's kind of what I assume. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a dude, but yeah, that was my assumption of what that was. Yeah. A 17 to 24 inch ankle spreader, also labeled in white paint. And in the very small bathroom, they also found restraints. In David's RV... So, again, not even to his toy box. In the RV, they found ropes and chains, metal eye bolts, a saw, scissors, a medicine bottle with gel, Vaseline, a 12-inch knife, stainless steel tape, six condoms, duct tape, and a battery charger with metal clips attached. When the truth and... Exactly. Ooh. When the Truth and Consequences police found this, they immediately called the New Mexico State Police. They knew they weren't going to be able to do this by themselves. And the FBI missed all of that the first time around. Yes. Good job. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, David did keep diaries that basically chronicled his crimes. According to the diaries... (laughs) The crimes began in the 1940s and 50s. At that time, David focused on druggies, homosexuals, prostitutes, and young girls with no supervision. He kept journals on all these types Correct. of people? Yes. Right? Like, but, you know, some people just have preferences and things. Like, was he one of those, I hate homosexuals. Like, what? Like, I don't no, understand. No, no, no. He kept diaries of his victims. 
Oh. Like, before you were defending it, saying it might not actually be a legit diary, he could be writing a story. Uh, well, no, that wasn't me. It's one of those... (laughs) (laughs) You did. No, I know what I said, but I was speaking from a legal perspective, not from a personal perspective. Correct. Okay. Yes, he was. That's true. Damn right. Joy (laughs) Vic Murray. Why are you going to be fucking with me? Because it's fun. Yeah, true. (laughs) According to his diaries, he began recording his crimes at the age of 15, and he had over 100 victims. But there was really no pattern to his victims. He had, like, a rating scale, and his number one was an attractive girl with a good body. And then it went down from there. So, like, he had a scale. One, two, three, four. But he didn't care. He would just, in his diaries, be like, raped Jane. She was a one. Raped whoever. Four. Like, he didn't care. Raped a ten. He didn't go up to ten, just <laughs> one through four, I think. But it was he had a he had his little rating system. In nineteen ninety four, his crimes, according to the diaries, seemed to like amp up. And by nineteen ninety nine, when he was arrested, his interest was ten year old girls. Remember, he was born in the thirties. So super, super disgusting and gross. Yes. So I'm going to be honest, and I know you probably don't know the answer to this, but did they ever investigate him in any relationship to any missing 10-year-old no. well, girls in the area? Like, So they did scour because, the because there were claims of him ditching bodies in the lake. They did try to find bodies, but... Dragging the lake, right. But they couldn't, so... And they got him for 224 years. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, I'm assuming there was probably some young children who disappeared in that area at some point. And I'm curious if they ever tried to see if maybe he was responsible for I I don't believe that he did, because remember, his quote was a dead victim was a failure. So his whole thing was to... Kidnap them, keep them, torture them, and let them go. That was from his words. So I don't know that they. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Okay, and I don't, I don't know that. That's just right, right, right. So David's first known victim was Kelly Garrett, and even though she was his first victim, she was the third one discovered. So for a while, she was known as Ray's third victim or Jane Doe number three. Because even though she was actually the first victim, they didn't find out about her until the yeah, end. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So she was the third one they found out about. Right, exactly. She was known as a good girl. She didn't do drugs. She didn't drink off drink often. But she did run around in the same crowd as David's daughter, Jessie Ray. On July 25th, 1996, Kelly had left her home and went to the Blue Water Saloon which is about seven miles from Truth and Consequences. She actually only had one beer that night. So way less than Mike's had tonight. <laughs> True that. <laughs> At 11 p.m., Jesse, David's daughter, offered Kelly a ride home. Kelly, being responsible, took her up on it. But instead of taking Kelly home, Jesse took her to David's house. 
Uh, Kelly would say later that David seemed to be expecting them. Three days later, David took Kelly home. She had no memory of the previous three days. Oh, wow. But she was wearing the same clothes that she had left in. Three days later. Wow. David told her family that she had found Kelly drugged and dehydrated. And he'd, like, given her some water and brought her home. Kelly's in, Kelly was just just married. She was a newlywed. And her, her and her husband had actually gotten in a fight that night. And that's why she went to the saloon. And her in-laws actually believed David and not her. And even though it was obvious that she was injured and bleeding, they kicked her out of the house and left her with David. Wow, they're a bunch of pieces of shit. And they end up feeling like shit. Well, good. They should fucking feel like shit. So fuck them. So (laughs) they did discover that she was missing like some necklaces and anklet and wedding ring. But they didn't, like I said, they didn't know she was a victim until Cindy Vigil, right? But when they were searching his home, they found videos in the toy box, right? So, of course, they watched the videos to try to see if there were any more victims. And one of the videos was a blindfolded naked woman. The woman's feet were secured in place in stirrups and her arms were bound above her head. But she had a very distinctive tattoo. And so the police released that portion of the video, just the portion showing the tattoo, to the news to see if anybody could identify her. Because her face face was never shown. Kelly's ex-mother-in-law recognized the tattoo. The one who kicked her out and told her to fuck off? Yep. Recognized the tattoo and called into the police after seeing the news report. So, I mean... Good for her for as soon as she saw it, she, you know, called in instead of, like, trying to hide that she needed to fuck off. Kelly later did testify that Jesse Ray helped David restrain her. Like, things started to kind of come back. She believed she had been assaulted about 30 times. Three zero. Yeah. In three days? Holy shit. But because of the drugs that David gave her, she could only, like, confirm about six. But she believed it was more than that. Wow. I'm sure if he were drugged and locked up and chained down, it would seem like it happened, you know. Well, but remember, he gave Cindy Vigil, remembered orange pills. Like, this was a thing. A drug that affected memory. So the second victim was, I mentioned her earlier, Angelica Mon. Montaigne. She actually became known as the TRC woman. Because, again, trying to keep identity under wraps at first. She was a known prostitute and drug user, but she knew David. She had actually gone over to David's house voluntarily to borrow a cake mix for her boyfriend's birthday. While she was there, David looked at her and said, you're being abducted against your will. And she laughed because she thought he was joking. Because they're friends. No, they weren't. But he kept her for five days. Oh, wow. She actually convinced David to let her go. I I don't know how, but she did. And Cindy Hendy, David's girlfriend, was pissed that he let her go. But David did bathe Angelica to remove any DNA evidence. 
and dropped her off on the side of I-25 on February 21st, 1999. Angelica was actually picked up by a police officer who gave her a ride, and she told him what happened to her. He didn't believe her. Shocking. Yeah, he thought she was full of shit, so he just took her where she was going. and Yeah, because he's like, oh, I know her. She's a prostitute, right. and prostitutes are unreliable. Right. It, it, it's, we, we've seen this so many times. It's ridiculous. Well, and here's the even more fucked up thing. Previously, before the five days where he abducted her, she had been at a party on a boat with both David and Cindy, and they had tortured her on the boat. Then why would but she But she stayed friends with them. Wait. So they tortured her on the boat, and then she went back? Through the house again? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a little sus. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. That's that's a little sus. I like after you, <laughs> why would you go back again? I don't know, but she did. Um, that to me makes no sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. But there's a lot of things that people do that don't make sense to me. So I can't say what her <laughs> state of mind is was. So they, the police did determine that superglue was used to attach ropes to the victim's breast to practice breast bondage. There was a large white dildo that was attached to the top of a pipe on a pedestal that David called the rocket. A hot dam was used to hide the drugs. Oh, he put it in the hot dam? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Like, here, have a drink. And- yeah, gotcha. So it was laced. Right. Yeah. And they also found mind-altering drugs in his writing pens. In his writing pens. Correct. That's a little odd, and I'm curious how that's... How How you use it? Yeah, like what? I draw on your skin and... Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he used the pens as a cylinder to store something. And then pour it it in. Oh, yeah, maybe. That would make sense. Like if you had a ink pen instead of like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the state police finally opened the toy box. And when they opened the toy box, that's when they called the FBI in because it was so bad. And actually, one of the <clears throat> FBI agents, Patricia Rust, she was in charge of cataloging all the evidence from the toy box. And she finished her job of cataloging. And in April of 1999, she finished the task, went home to El Paso and killed herself. Oh, Jesus. And a lot of people believe it's because of what she saw in the toy box. So the so the general belief is that what she saw was, was so, so devastating and hard for her to see that she went home and killed herself. Correct. Jesus. Now, and, we're, we're, and I will say we're not saying that's fact, right? Because there are uh, the FBI. I think denies it. But a lot of people, sure. and the timing ne- and, is... Well, and we never know what's going on in somebody's life personally. And that's tragic, but... The timing is... It is, yeah. So the FBI went into the smaller trailer, which, like I said early on, Cindy had dubbed the toy box. They found a large TV antenna dish that was facing the wrong direction. 
it was actually not an antenna to get TV, but its purpose was to block the entrance to the trailer. So it wasn't actually inside the toy box, but it was like outside to hide it, right? Okay, yeah. There were signs on the toy box that said Satan's Den and Bondage Room. On the outside? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a fail. Like, But it was okay because like, it was hidden by the dish. Oh, well, I mean, shouldn't... I mean, that's not Nobody hiding. saw it until... <laughs> well, I mean, I get it, but that's not really truly hiding what you're doing. Like, I mean, I don't know. Anyway. I don't think he really cared about hiding what he Apparently was doing. Apparently not. Um, the centerpiece of the toy box was a large gynecological chair that was two separate pieces of black vinyl... It had a wide back and seat. It had leg spreaders and straps and foot stirrups. There were also overhead pulleys with large and small weights attached and electroshock therapy. There were three cameras and a video screen above the chair. So basically, David would force the women to watch the torture they were enduring. That's fucked. One of the cameras was set up with a closed circuit channel to his house. So David would actually leave his devices to torture the women while he was in his house and watch them on the closed caption TV in his house. Jesus. He also had a cabinet that could hold two victims at a time. Oh, good. Yeah. And a cabinet of dildos. He had a candelabra with a replica of a human skull. He had books, which included medical textbooks and his activity logs. So he would log what he was doing. Some of the books he had were sexual behavior of the human female, emergency victim care, the family medical guide, human sexuality, American Psycho, and then various witchcraft and voodoo books. So you said books that he used as logs? He had log books, and then he had all of these textbooks, too. Okay, so when you say the log books, are you talking about the books that he documented everything in that we talked about earlier? No, those were his diaries. The log books would, like, he'd come in and log the activity of the oh, torture. Wow. Like at 1015, I yeah. went in and... Oh, God, I hope they use, could at least use that. Uh, yeah, I would, I'm, I would imagine that yeah, they could. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Um, so he would transport his victims on I-25, a highway in New Mexico, and he had to actually pass through two Border Patrol checkpoints when he went on the highway. Mm. And he had made a special transport box for this so that he wouldn't get caught and experts think that he probably enjoyed the fact that he was able to go through undetected yeah it's the thrill right Mm -hmm. so david had designed his machines to deliver pain in intervals so the body couldn't uphold a threshold so like your body builds up a threshold to pain, so he had designed his machines to where he'd make sure that the victims didn't... Adjust. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, if they started getting used to it, it would, like, up the pain right. level. Yeah, right. absolutely, yeah. Um, it's fucked up, but yeah. So, 
just some general facts about serial killers. Why they think that David is a serial killer. He meets a lot of these. Like almost every fucking criteria, this fucking sick dick. Exactly. So with serial killers, rarely, rarely do they know their victims. They're usually chosen at random. And other than Angelica, David's word, they tend to be more intelligent, which makes them harder to catch. Um, psychologists believe that serial killers cannot control what they do, but it's psychologically driven. And that they like control, dominance, and manipulation. Now, David doesn't meet this one, but a lot of times, apparently, they're unemployed or can't hold a job. David was kind of not in that realm, because... Yeah, because he worked for the whatever. Forever. Yeah, the part. For, yeah. For, forever, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, but they often have issues with parental figures. He did. Uh, they tend to have been targets of bullying in their youth, which he was, and sexual inadequacy. Now, I don't know if he was or not, <laughs> but, you know. They do say that sexual sadists tend to hide their trophies, like inside light fixtures or under floorboards, things like that. Now, last part. You wanted to know about his journal entries. This is what I'm going to end it with. Because it's. I just want to leave y'all with a fucked up mental picture. Okay. Oh, so I was wrong. It wasn't a four-star system. It was a three-star system. His quality rating. A one was very pretty with an excellent body. A two was an average face or average body. And a three was below average or overweight. And these are just, like, if you want to see a lot of his journal entries, you can get the book I mentioned earlier, and they have quotes. These are just a few that I pulled. And his first journal entry was dated 1955, and it says, Place, Ranch Grove, approximate age, 15, kept four hours, quality rating, two, additional notes. First sex, exclamation point. Experimented with light bondage. Pretended it was rape. Tied her spread eagle between two trees while I played with her. I didn't use S&M, but it was still nice. 1956, place, pine shadow tent. Approximate age, 16. Kept, the weekend. Quality rating, 1. Additional notes, first kidnapping, First rape, I was as scared as she was. In 1957, he had multiple entries, and it was clear that he had help from somebody named Shirley. And in 1963 was his first mention of electrotherapy. Some of his other possible victims were Jill Troya, who was last seen with his daughter, Jessie Ray, went missing in September of 1995. Marie Parker, who we mentioned earlier, that was Yancey's ex-girlfriend, um, went missing in May of 97. Jesse again, was the last person to see her alive. Billy Ray Bowers was David's old boss who went missing in 1988. 
And then we already know what David was arrested for, but Roy Yancey was arrested for Marie Parker's murder, and he was charged with murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy to commit murder, as well as tampering with evidence. He faced life in prison plus 46 years and a $45,000 fine. He was... Convicted of murder, even though there was no other evidence other than his confession. It is possibly New Mexico's only case where a suspect was convicted on nothing but his own words. Roy stated that Jesse Ray held a gun to his head while forcing him to murder Marie. And he stated that he threw her body, or that Marie's body was thrown into a ravine by David and Jesse, and as a result... Roy, Roy's dad and Jesse drove to Galveston and lived there for a year to hide from the fact that they had killed Marie. So David was never convicted of any murders. They don't actually have any proof that he was a murderer, but he's still called the toy box killer. And he claims to have killed at least 14 or claimed, like I said, he died in 2002 and Cindy Hindi is a free woman. So is that your whole case? Yeah. Good case, wife. I mean, there's a lot more to it, and there's multiple books written on it. If you want to know more, go read the book. Not you, but listeners. Yeah, definitely. If you want to learn more, go check out the book Slow Death. That has a lot more information in it. It does. It has a lot, if you want to see how sick and twisted David yeah, is. Yeah, maybe too much information. Honestly, I got through, like, what, like, the prologue? Not even that. You got through, like, two pages. <laughs> no, I read the whole prologue. It was No, you uh, didn't. Uh, yeah. Amy, what's the prologue, two pages? Maybe. Yeah, yeah well, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's graphic. I don't know. He was all, you read the second book on David. And I'll read the one you already read. And, like, after two pages, he was like, I can't do this. I'm like, you haven't even gotten into the case yet. All I can tell you is that Amy took it real easy on all you people. Because this case is (laughs) fucked up. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I never heard of the dude until you bought me the book. And that was complete accident. Like, we were just dating. (laughs) We were dating. Well, yeah, he knew I liked true crime. We were dating, and I was like, "Oh, Amy likes true crime." I was in uh, Barnes and Nobles, and I was like, "Oh, here's a true crime book." I like read half the back, and I was like, "Oh, she'll love it." Like (laughs) she, so I gave it to her, and then she read it, and she was like, "I don't know what the fuck kind of book you just bought." Like, what the fuck, dude? I was like, like, "That guy puts Ted Bundy to shame." (laughs) Well, then she was looking at me like, what kind of weird psycho are you giving me this book? Like, what the fuck, dude? No, it wasn't. And you went out I with him again? the whole thing. What? And you went out with him again? Oh, yeah. Oh, we'd already been dating for a minute. Yeah, it okay. wasn't like we'd just uh, it, We'd been dating for like a month or two. And you went out with him again? <laughs> I like true crime. I was like, well. <laughs> She's like, oh, he gets me. Oh, it's like, that's <laughs> fucked up. And it's not an Anne Rule book, but okay, maybe there's some other true crime that I'll like besides Anne Rule. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's he yeah, got me out of my anvil box. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, this is probably one of the more fucked up cases I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But that being said, if anybody knows Cindy Hindi, hit us up. Oh God, please don't. I'm a caller. Well. You got that info at thebloodandbarrels.com. You can hit us up there if so. You know, I will say this. I would actually love to do an interview with her. Interview with her. So, you know, if you do know her, you know where to hit us up at. But. uh, And by the way, I'm so sad that Tiger King got shipped out of Texas to somewhere else. They moved him? They moved him to, like, when? Indiana or something, like, two months ago. To Indiana? Somewhere not close. Indiana? I'm just guessing, but not Fort Worth. Okay, well, we'll figure that out and discuss that later. Yeah, but... that's going to be our first Blood and Barrels road trip. <laughs> to go see Tiger King? I mean, we already... Free Joe Exotic! Well, I've seen him once, you've seen him twice, because we actually saw him when he lived in... Oklahoma. uh, Or when he had... He lived there! He had a house there! Well, yes, but when he actually had his park up in Oklahoma... Wynwood. Huh? Wynwood. Wynwood. GW, Exotic Park. Oh, man, she's all over... Free Joe Exotic. Now I'm starting to get worried about you. You know too many details, but yes. North Carolina. North Carolina, see? Not close. He's in North Carolina? <laughs> Dude, Joy, we need you here for every episode because holy <laughs> shit, like, I we say something and Joy's like Googling it immediately and she's like, I got you back. I got you back. She got the info. I know how to Google. I'm special. You Google like <laughs> a motherfucker. <laughs> I don't Google any special. <laughs> so, any North Carolina listeners out there. <laughs> Tell tell Joe, I said. Hello, Joe. We'll just write Joe. We'll just write Joe. Oh, that's true. We'll make, I, it, a, we'll make it a thing. Maybe we'll do it as a Patreon episode. Oh, no, you, you don't understand. I'm in a free Joe exotic group on Facebook. Okay, then I we have won't make it a Patreon. We'll make it a real episode. If 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 we can get a hold of him. which and He writes from, back to everybody. Well, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. But... I would actually like to get more information. I mean, let's be honest. Tiger King did pretty in-depth, so I would like to talk to Joe personally and see if we can uncover some Maybe he'll throw you a condom Uh, through the phone. So, through the phone. Interesting, interesting story for you guys, and this is not to damn him, but just as an actual factual information. <laughs> well, it's so, just to show he is who he portrays in Tiger King. Yeah, no doubt. So, the he first did. time we went and saw him, normal, kind of what you'd expect, right? Elaborate. They had just started actually, he had just started filming. I mean, he wore his, his sequin outfits and. Right. So, if you watch a show, they, they, uh, the Tiger King uh, show on Netflix. They talk about how he was trying to get a show show, like a real show. A reality show. A reality show. And they had literally just started filming it when we went. Then I took the Girl Scouts. Yeah. So then she took the Girl Scouts. And uh-uh. while they were there, you know, um, you know, it gets the end of the tour. No, it was at the beginning of the tour. Oh, was it at the beginning of the tour? You know how you walk in and you sit in the bleachers yeah. and it gives you the spiel? It was oh, yeah. in that part. 
Oh, so literally they get there at the very beginning, apparently, when you're sitting there and he's telling you about the tigers and blah, 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 and introducing everything. And why he's wearing a gun in case the tiger tries yeah, to attack. Yeah, which all makes sense. He apparently starts throwing out condoms into the crowd, knowing damn well that there's a Girl Scout troop full of what? How old were they? Hmm. They didn't know what condoms were, let's put it that way. Yeah. It's but a balloon! Starts, but starts, like, throwing all these condoms With his face out. on them. Oh, God. I mean, I will say, I did have... I don't know what happened to it, because I, I, I never... I mean, I don't use <laughs> condoms anymore, so... Uh, but that being said... I brought it home to him. She did, when they threw it to the girls Scout, and I was like... Yeah, but sure enough, it's a little condom with his face right on the thing, and... Well, I have his autograph somewhere. I'm sitting have there going, the really, you're... No, you're, one on the condom. But I was sitting there going, really, you're throwing condoms out to fucking... Nine-year-olds? Something like that? Yeah, like... I think they were a little fucking older little, than that. Well, but... still, either way, they're like little Girl Scouts. I'm like, what? You know, it just proves that he's not acting on the show. Well, and I mean, and he openly is very gay, so, I mean, it's obviously, it has nothing to do with, you know, anything with the Girl Scouts at all. It's just, he just is that fucking oblivious, right? He's just free over the top. And yet Amy's still like, yeah, he passes out. Condoms to girl, girl Scouts, but yeah, free exo, Joe Exotic. Yeah, in a world of Carol Baskins, be a Joe Exotic. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, so this I mean, is all over my head because I've never seen the show. Oh my God, you have to watch it. <clears throat> yeah, you probably should catch up. So we're, should you. We're going to get you caught up. I'm going to get you caught up. We're going to get you caught up. We'll get you to watch Soap and some other classic shows. Right. That being said, I think we're going to wrap this up. We want to thank... All of you, so much for joining us yet again. We, we love, love you. you guys. Free Joy McMurray. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Say so we love you long time. I hope you enjoy listening to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and free Joe Exotic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not entirely sure they tune in for me, but. <laughs> <laughs> there was some entertainment, serious entertainment uh, value. I did have probably a little bit too much to drink tonight, but that being said, I think Amy did a great job, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. We do absolutely love you guys. If you are enjoying the show, we would love it if you would drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and just know that you can subscribe on Spotify and all your normal podcast things. But ultimately, if you could just share us with a friend. Or that- 12. Or 12. That is the best thing you can do. It really helps us spread. But that being said, we love you guys. Y'all take care. And we are out. Love you guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us here at Blood and Barrels. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Blood and Barrels. You can also follow us on Twitter at Blood Barrels Pod. Follow us on all the things. You can also listen to Blood and Barrels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or most anywhere where you enjoy your podcast. If you enjoy listening, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. 
For more information about the show, you can check us out at bloodandbarrels.com. If you want to help support the show and become a part of the Blood and Barrels family, you can join us on Patreon and get access to additional content. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.